Welcome to the Han Jam Rancho, the audacious podcast by Hannah Rankin. I am your host, Hannah Rankin, and I interview guests who have made bold moves to create positive change, be that personally or societally. My guests are collectively from a plethora of diverse backgrounds, and together we discuss a vast array of topics. If it is empowering and audacious, you will find it here on the Hanjam Ranch Show. Hello, welcome to this week's episode. You know, I always try to keep it as real as possible on the Hanjam Ranch Show, so to maintain that truth and tell you that today it is a struggle for me to record this intro. I'm not gonna lie. I have been super run down for the past two weeks and I'm now in the midst of recovering from a virus. Thankfully it is not COVID, I just got my test results back today, Um, but the exhaustion that I've been experiencing is mammoth and it did make me contemplate whether I should put an episode out this week. But I decided I could do it and stay true to the commitment that I made to myself and to you guys. Um, But that being said, there are a lot of other goals that I wanted to smash through this month that are going to have to be moved back a little because I just literally just need to rest and hydrate. So, Uh, For me, that's a little adjustment process because I'm very, I can be very rigid with what I want to achieve. Um, So that's probably a good lesson for me as well as, well as prioritising rest, which I'm not great at either. Um, So if you need me, I will be hiding in my little cave. (laughs) But I did actually announce on Instagram this week that I will be launching a newsletter next month. It is called the HJR Fix and will be a roundup of some recent audacious news and stories, plus some delicious book and podcast recommendations. So if that sounds like a bit of you, head to www.hanjanran.com forward slash newsletter to sign up. And if you're feeling super generous, then please do follow the podcast on Spotify, subscribe wherever else you're listening to to this from and if you are on Apple Podcasts then why not leave a cheeky review. Um, I would like to quickly offer a trigger warning before we dig in. We do talk about eating disorders quite candidly in this episode. It is a beautifully optimistic story but if this is something you will find challenging to listen to I advise you to proceed with caution. This week's guest Katie Valentine had a hugely transformative experience that sits with the backdrop of moving all over the world, starting in Australia, where she's from, then on to Europe, and now in Bali, each setting seems to me to represent another chapter of her journey. From Bali, she has stepped into the role of a healer as she works on healing both herself and sharing what she has learned with others. I don't want to give away everything as Katie is so eloquent in sharing her story, but the fact that she sold everything to move overseas baggage free to me is just pretty awe inspiring. I will now hand over to Katie. Katie, welcome to the Hand Jam Ran Show. I'm so happy to have you on and you're adding another thread to the international guests. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. So you're dialing in from Bali and but originally from Australia, but you've also lived in Europe. So do you want to give us a little insight into your journey, everywhere you've been? <laughs> Sure. My name is Katie Valentine. I'm Australian born and bred. And at 25 years old, I had a little bit of, I call it a mental breakdown breakthrough. And I sold everything I owned and I moved to Spain. 
that was five years ago. Since then, I have lived in Barcelona, Ibiza, Berlin, Portugal, and I just recently moved to Bali uh, two months ago to pursue my, well, I was already pursuing my dreams, but to really further pursue my dreams as a uh, sound therapist and coach and a writer. Amazing. I'm so excited to dig into all of all of the aforementioned components of your journey. Um, but in the theme of the show, we go through your audacious experiences. So the first one that you cited to me was to sell everything you owned and jump on a plane to start a new life in Spain, just as you told us. So what happened in your breakdown breakthrough to lead you up to getting to a point where you literally kind of shed everything material and jumped on a plane? I, well, up until the 17th of March 2020, when we went into a pandemic, I was a DJ for 10 years. And this was six years into my DJing. I had really bad bulimia. I was very, very depressed. I had had injected into me from the music industry that in order to thrive, I had to be skinny and beautiful and young and this and that, but don't be too much this, don't be too much that. And I just went through a lot of trauma that eventually turned into the numbing of bulimia. And the year previous, I'd been on the big Europe trip. I played in France. I played in Ibiza. And I came home and something was really, really empty inside of me. And I had this perfect, I was, you know, 26 years old, perfect apartment, perfect, like all the designer clothes. I had the money, but I couldn't spend it fast enough. Mm. And it all centered around this, I am not enough. Bulimia, I can't get enough. Um, Overeating, I can't get enough. Uh, with money and I just had this big (laughs) revelation at four o'clock in the morning because I had really bad insomnia and I just thought what if I got rid of all of this stuff and just I had Barcelona written on my mirror in lipstick and I just kept looking at it I'm like why am I not there so I jumped on a plane I I didn't have much money but the less I had the happier I was And Spain for me was just this new place where I could completely become this new character. And I went on all of these beautiful, insane adventures that really shaped me into who I am today. (laughs) That's amazing. And um, thank you for being so open about your mental health and eating disorders. I, um, I also had bulimia when I was at high school, so I understand what that process is like and also that after a while it actually doesn't do what you need it to do and so then you're in real trouble because (laughs) your like escape route is no longer working um I've also moved to the other side of the world in a bid to try and (laughs) shake things up and (laughs) fix everything um but I did find like when I moved to Australia which I, I had left the disordered eating behind a few like I'd been recovered for about five years but I still was really struggling with addiction and depression and mm-hmm. I moved to the other side of the world thinking that a I'd never hurt people over there b I'd never embarrassed myself over there you know all these sort of fresh start thinking and then when I got there I found that actually it was me (laughs) and I'd taken me with me so I had all of the same issues to to contend with and it took I was there for eight months when I then finally kind of had my breakthrough and started it all over again um so once you got to Spain like what did you learn through the process of moving but then when you were there I'm I'm sure it wasn't like you just landed and it was all amazing (laughs) there would have been some figuring out to do so what did that look like what I did learn is that what why I by thinking that I could run away from all of my problems the real problem there was thinking that I could run away Mm. so it was really amazing I had I fell in love with this beautiful French man um I I have a uh, I have a sign called growth and other stories and I actually write about all these little mini stories that I went through when I first moved over there But 
then I got a job in Ibiza as a DJ host um, for a magazine and I was on camera all of the time. So my eating disorder came back and this, you know, initial shock to my nervous system to move over to Spain that faded away. So the addiction came back and I went on an absolute downward spiral and what I thought was the beauty of moving over there is I, I couldn't hurt anyone. No one would know. It was just me. And believe me, it was my little secret. And then it just continued to follow me. And then every time I'd fall in love with someone, you're in that honeymoon period where we get out of our subconscious mind and we, um, we're, we're in this 5% of our mind up here and everything's amazing. And it's like for the first time. And then eventually once I was in that codependent relationship, the bulimia would come back and the depression and the anxiety and all of these things that came from the I am not enough came back. And one day, I'll never forget, I was at a party I was DJing at and I had this extreme paranoia and I went home and I woke up the next morning and I looked through my phone and was like, oh my God, I'd started to write suicide letters. And I was like, all right, we've got, to, we've got to get our shit together. Like we can't keep jumping around like this. And that was the day I found my hypnotherapist and I learned about the subconscious mind and I learned that you can rewrite your story. And that was the day that changed my life. And I now have an online program with that very hypnotherapist helping people through their limiting self-beliefs. So it was the thing that broke me, that cracked me open and made me a healer. That's amazing. Wow. Um, well, I'm really glad that you had that that day yeah. of like an epiphany. Thank God. Um, so what does hypnotherapy entail? What is what is that? So for the first seven to 14 years of our life, we um, are developing our subconscious mind where when we come out of the womb, we're a blank computer. Think about getting a new computer and you've got to start put programs on it so you can actually do. You know, I had to download Zoom in order to... Um, speak with you today so where we get these downloads from is our parents society the tv and by the time we get to 14 we have this program and by the time we get to our 20s that program's really not serving us so the subconscious mind is what we're operating 95 percent back here and then we've got the five percent conscious mind so what hypnotherapy does is it actually goes in there and starts to rewrite that program. And that's by getting in a brainwave state where we have these four brainwave states. And when you're in between asleep and awake, you can kind of go in there and uh, rewrite the story. So I've been able to conquer my I am not enough belief. Um, I'm ugly without makeup belief, like all of these really messed up beliefs that I had about myself that just totally weren't mine. Yeah, wow. I mean, I I totally understand that the external and internal are completely can be completely detached. But I just want to say that you are stunning and absolutely glowing. <laughs> I'm like sitting here rubbed up with the snow, and Katie is like just this beacon of light glowing in Bali. <laughs> Very jealous. Oh, <laughs> um, Bali glow. <laughs> yeah, you, you, it suits you. You look great. Um, Okay, so was there anything that you missed, like even though you were going through this beautiful transformation process on like a soul level, was there anything that you were missing from home or from like that previous lifestyle that was hard to let go of? When I first got to Spain, I mean, I had such a thick Australian accent (laughs) and I was in the nightclub industry. um, So I was always in loud clubs and I felt really misunderstood all of the time I felt it hard to connect with people on a deeper level especially because sense of humor as an Australian is so important so I do remember a lot of nights um, friends and couples going home together and it was just me roaming the streets of Barcelona at five o'clock in the morning by myself and it was and I, I had this tiny room in this little tiny apartment I could just fit a bed in there and I remember going back to that bed quite a few times going like what am I doing why, why did I do this? I had this perfect apartment with designer clothes and all of these friends. Um, and, you know, as a DJ, you don't really know who your friends are because mm. you're always out in the party scene. You're always drunk. Hardly anyone knew that I had bulimia. 
and I didn't feel safe to to tell many people that. Um, so in a sense, I really, really did miss it. But for the first time, I got to hear my own voice. Yeah, wow. I, I was not a DJ. I would have loved to have been, but I definitely wasn't <laughs> <laughs> musically talented in that way. But I, I feel re- like a real strong synergy with what I experienced when I got to Sydney. Not the disconnect of sense of humour or the language barrier, obviously. But I was out literally like, hardcore partying like five nights a week and so the people that I was surrounding myself with we were all drunk together and as you said like loud music like there was no real connection and so when I hit my rock bottom and I like told a few people that I trusted like I mean everyone was very kind don't get me wrong but like quite a few people just dropped away but some really stepped up and became such more incredible like the relationship became so much more profound and impactful in my life and I don't think I would have ever got to explore that had I not stepped back and actually you know hung out sober (laughs) Um, through authentic self because alcohol and drugs cut us off from our authentic self and what I realized is once I started to in quarantine detach from this this wild party crazy DJ that I've been for 10 years and step up as this healer um, and do the work on myself and my own limiting self-beliefs too. I actually said last week, it's as if I've met each and every one of my family members and best friends for the first time because I'm meeting them from here and they're not triggering me anymore. Mm. I realize that all of these um, things that I believe, like my mom is this and my brother is that, I realized it was all because they were f- reflecting to me where I haven't healed. And now that I have healed that part, that they've been their true, amazing, authentic selves this entire time, doing the best that they can with the knowledge that they have. So it's really been really interesting this past year reinventing myself. And um, my brother is an amazing coach over in Australia and he coaches me now on my coaching calls. And he just said the other day, he's like, I feel like I'm sitting in front of a completely new person. And this is the power of hypnosis. You can completely rewrite your personality, your brain, your limiting self-beliefs, the, th- the thoughts that you think. So, yeah, yes. it's been um, really interesting. So I'm so excited for you to just like keep on unfolding and, and developing these deeper connections. I've been sober for about four years. No four and a half years now and my relationships with the those really special people are like cannot compare just light Mm. and dark like nine day like just totally different and Mm. it is coming from that like authentic level where you can have that deep connection and also you can feel like my radar for bullshit is a bit stronger oh yeah (laughs) And it can feel quite lonely when you get to this stage because you literally won't tolerate anything that isn't exactly what you want and you you cut the cords with people. Um, And, yeah, when I first moved to Bali, I went through this kind of lonely phase because I'm looking for such a particular person in my life now when it comes to friends and partners. And, yeah, they're all starting to just come in now after two months in this vortex of healing on myself. So great to hear. Okay, well, this leads us on perfectly to audacious point number two, which might be my favorite because I did the exact same thing, maybe not on a global level, but I did it for a year and I loved it. So it's falling in love with yourself and taking yourself on many dates around the world. I absolutely adore this. I was single for over five years and I would say for a good 12 months in Sydney when I was on my healing journey, I just 100% dated myself and I've talked about this before on the podcast like for me I had this huge breakthrough when I went to the cinema by myself which is this silly thing but I had such a block about doing it solo and when I did I like skipped out of the the theater (laughs) I was euphoric and just having this beautiful you know little moments in cafes alone with a book and a piece of cake you know it was just such a delight all the time to not have to wait for others to agree on the plans or wait for others to have the same desires as me I was just nourishing all of my wants as and when I needed to after such a long period of 
disconnect and also denial you know just denying myself of so much and now I was just absorbing the world in every single direction that I could (laughs) so tell us about your experience of that well that comes back to when I was walking the streets by myself at 5 a.m going like oh my god and there was a time when so I fell in love with a French and had my heart ripped out da 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 and I went and rented this eight euro a night Airbnb boat in the middle of nowhere in Spain. And I sat down, I sat on this porch and I drank two bottles of wine. I was crying, crying, crying. And I started to write my book, my novel, which um, <sighs> is in the making right now about all of my experiences and what I was facing. And afterwards I put on some mascara and I went down to the beach and there was this beach chair and Guido with rainbow flags and all these gay men dancing who didn't speak any English. And I spent the night on podiums with all these gay men to Kylie Minogue. And the next day on on my way back from this random town back to Barcelona, I was like, wow, that was just incredible. And that, that was with me. And there was all these places, obviously living in Europe, I can go to London for 12 euro and Paris and da, da, da. So I just started taking myself places and I started to become best friends with this person that I had hated at this point for 27 years Mm. myself. And I realized I've got to hang out with myself every fucking day for the rest of my life. So why not strengthen this bond and doing something to love this person that I've hated in the mirror, start to tell her I love you and actions speak louder than words, show her. I took myself to Florence and Budapest and just recently, um, while Corona was happening and I knew that I would be safe, I took myself to Sorrento and Positano and I had the whole freaking place to myself because it was so dead and just just had this massive eat, pray, love, romantic time with myself, especially through the pandemic. And um, now my business is really, really based around teaching men and women how to love themselves. And it is so simple. And in my first call with them, I I have a program that I'll talk about later, but my first call with them is really like getting down to this. And I simplify everything back to them and they go, whoa, it's so easy. Why, why have I not done this my whole life? Why am I not doing this now? Yeah, I think it's so such an important message. And, you know, thank you for the work that you're doing because we do have so much against us to allow us to have that connection with ourselves. Like the societal discourse is, you know, the whole concept of, Um, the capitalist society is based on us not loving ourselves because then we keep on buying things to try and fill that hole keep on buying things to try and make ourselves look like x y and z that maybe will fix this horrible dynamic we have with our own soul and heart and it's just this never-ending cycle that will never fulfill the the ambition that we have um So it's only when you kind of step away and look, I'm not saying that I'm no longer materialistic. I totally am. (laughs) I love clothes and, you know, um, all the, all the fun stuff, but the dynamic that the relationship I even have with those things is different. And sometimes I have to check myself that I'm not falling, especially I think living in a cosmopolitan city, I find it easier to try like to get pulled into it. So I do have to constantly, re-evaluate my priorities um and I think you know it's always a work in progress there's never an end position where you're fully zen forever um but yeah the odds are so stacked against us so I think kind of introducing people back to themselves and giving permission to actually love yourself and I think as women we judge other women who do love themselves like I, I've had situations where, you know, I'm really grateful that today it's not that I love, I do love my body because I've also had quite severe health issues, which stopped me from walking at times. So I, I'm very grateful to my body, but in terms of its shape, I'm neither here nor there. I just don't spend that much time thinking about it anymore, which is such freedom. So then I'll wear whatever I want because their legs and short shorts if it's hot fine (laughs) um but I've had I've 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 come across sort of 
resistance from other women because they don't think that they have the permission to dress in a certain way or to reveal their physical form in a certain way. And so then when they come up in close contact with it, there's a real friction that is inside, but then they demonstrate it externally. And so, you know, it's just from every bloody angle, from our heads, from media, from our fellows, from our sisterhood that is trying to stop us from experiencing the joy that you and I have with dating ourselves, with being our own best friend. Um, so it's, God, such incredible work. What is what has that experience been like and what's been a real common theme that you've encountered with your with your clients? What I try and really integrate into, into everyone and my my program is personalized, but it also it comes from my journey. And what I try and imprint into everyone is I am where you were sitting right now. And a lot of people come to me because they want my life or they want to talk to themselves the way that I do. And when I start to, to teach them that loving themselves first isn't selfish, when you love yourself first, you're actually loving, you're actually a better mother, better sister, better daughter, better employee, a better entrepreneur. And I watch them get uncomfortable. We draw them up this beautiful morning routine, this personalized morning routine. I give them a mantra, which is normally it is safe to love myself. None of this I am enough stuff. It's I am safe because you're trying to teach that, that child in your subconscious mind that it is safe because you probably grew up in an environment in a society where it wasn't safe to love yourself. And I watch them go, Ooh. I go, how does that look? How does it look to get up and do that for the next seven days? And how does it look to say this to yourself? And they go, this is amazing. But like, Ooh, like I never yeah. thought that I could do this. And the, the common theme, which I believe is in us all is I am not enough. And that shows up in so many different ways for us. It shows up with smoking, addicted to Instagram, overeating, undereating, overexercise, all of these ways. And I call it unlearning to hate yourself and relearning to love yourself. And it's this really, really beautiful path to start. And my program is only 28 days and I watch them from this. I wish I had before and after photos. I sit across from them in Zoom and they're just like, sad and you know so depleted from all of these elements of their lives and then after 28 days they've been to my hypnotherapist they've been to my astrologist they've come to me and it's like they've had a facelift and they're like I am this and I am that and I am enough and it's like you you just had low self-esteem and I went through the the Australian healthcare system and spent ten thousand dollars and figured out that I just had low self-esteem and a gluten intolerance. But they put me through every single freaking test, put me on antidepressants, completely twisted my brain. And I believe that I got put through all of this so I could now come and condense everything that I've been through and learned into this, you know, 28 days and send people back off into the world without having to go through what I went through. Mm. And it's, it is such a foundation that then it just sets you free and then you can just like pretty much do anything with that foundation yeah. of a, of a sturdy self-esteem. Um, so I have this kind of friction. Well, I had it, have it probably still do with coming from London and being like, kind of I feel like there's this sentiment of like scoffing at the kind of woo-woo like we're all a bit cynical and so I yeah. am here for literally every single word you just said and I I personally live my life in that way but even talking about it externally I find I get I push through it but there is this initial friction because it's oh, yeah. so different to where I've been groomed <laughs> or raised you know uh, do you ever have that or is it just like you cannot imagine um I mean I've done a lot of work this past year but imagine I have lost DJing in one day because of a, a freaking flu coronavirus and transitioning into us into a sound therapist now I for 10 years I've been traveling around 
DJing in tight black cat suits, playing techno. Um, and then suddenly, uh, well, not suddenly, it was actually a really, really slow death and then a, and then a rebirth come out the other side of my cocoon as um, a sound therapist and coach. And I was really, really terrified. At one point, I had three Instagrams because I was trying to mold myself into three different people. I wanted to be the writer that wrote, you know, who swore and, and wrote about sex and love and disaster. The, the DJ who, you know, kept everything cool, made sure I got lots of likes on photos and fit into this box. And then when I realized I wanted to be a healer, I had this other... Instagram where I only had like 200 followers so I could completely be myself and I just started to dismantle that and mold myself into this one person yes I'm still a DJ and I still love it and I don't know when I'll get to DJ again and yes I swear and I'm a wounded healer and I'm writing a novel that has lots of sex in it and the way that I was able to dismantle this terrible imposter syndrome that I had was on that 200 person Instagram. I only followed accounts that had what I wanted. I followed the accounts that were like Yane Robinson. She swears and writes about sex, but she's also a coach and she's a very good one. And also had like other DJs turned sound therapists and did it all. So when I was looking at my newsfeed, it was showing my subconscious what I want is real and there are other people out there like that. And as soon as I was getting away from my authentic self, I would go, would go on there and get really clear about what it is I want to do in this world. And this is why it's so important to have your mission statement. And my mission statement is to cure as many people from anxiety and depression as possible through my story, through my shenanigans, through all this hell that I've been through. And every time an opinion comes up, whether it's a friend or someone from Instagram or a family member, I look at that mission statement and I go, is, there, is that opinion contributing to that? No? Okay, ciao. Wow. So imposter syndrome is really, it happens in every single industry and it has still happened to me quite a lot, but by expanding your subconscious and showing it that what you want is real is the best way to overcome that. Mm, yeah, that's great advice. So again, leads us on perfectly to the third audacious point, which is starting your own business as a sound therapist and coach after 10 years of being a DJ, which you've talked about already. How do you feel like when the pandemic subsides, will you incorporate DJing into this kind of authentic hate that you now show up as? Do you think that they have duality to exist together? I will never wake up at two o'clock in the morning and do a tequila shot to walk into a club in Berlin and play 4am to 11am ever again for the rest of my life. I will always be a DJ my dad was a DJ it's it's a part of who I am but I will be able to you know do day parties or incorporate sound healing I'm actually currently in the studio recording my bowls trying to put it into dance music so you're getting that beautiful healing element in the clubs and that there's going to be a way for me to morph all of this together it's still kind of up in the air but um it definitely I was so addicted to the validation of being a DJ when I was in my low self-esteem and I was so addicted to the adrenaline of playing to thousands of people. But then when you get off that stage, that validation dissipates. And I found myself, you know, still out at seven o'clock in the morning. So I was terrified to go home to my hotel room by myself afterwards. So it will, yeah, appear in a very, very different way in my life. Mm, yeah. It's cool to, to keep obviously it really sings to part of your of your personality so to be able to take that with you is is exciting right I want to know exactly what being a sound therapist is so our ears are connected to every single organ in our body and if you've ever been to a festival or a club and you've heard your favorite song and you've cried or you've gotten in the car and you've heard a song that you hate and your whole body recoils up that mm. sound and sound is one of the most ancient forms of therapy that really, really lost its way. 
And what it does is if you think of our body as an orchestra, every, every organ, every cell is an orchestra and one band member, like the kidney is playing off, your whole body is going to be like, mm. so sound therapy is a really, really beautiful way of bringing the body. I call it shaking up a snow globe. So you shake up the snow globe and all the dust goes everywhere and then it settles back down and I didn't know what sound therapy was until I went to Olivia Newton-John's retreat for my bulimia. And I remember doing a sound therapy that night and I had these really incredible hallucinations. I hadn't taken anything. And it didn't really come back into my life until I was in Bali uh, just over a year ago, December, 2019. And I went to a sound therapy here where they do lights on the pineal gland sound. And I had a proper DMT experience without doing DMT. Um, and I completely went somewhere. I came out of it. I ran to the studio and I wrote this track that was in my brain and I was like, what just happened? And I cried and I woke up the next day after like nine hours of sleep and I just felt so good. And I was like, holy crap, whatever just happened to me. I, I want to recreate that because that is the feeling that I had on the dance floor doing, you know, synthetic drugs and we can, we can have these beautiful euphoric experiences without having to induce anything. So I ordered my sound healing bowls um, and they arrived on the day that I went into uh, quarantine. Oh, Wow. The day that I received all the emails that my gigs were cancelled and I just looked at the sky and I was like, all right, we're going to become a sound healer during these. God knows how long I did. At this point, we thought it was 14 days. It ended up being three months of quarantine and I just went, bam, got my coaching cert, got my sound cert, um, went through a lot of health problems myself because I was full of resentment and, and depression during this really uncertain time and healed myself from all of that and burst out the other side and I just started doing sound as um as like donation I was doing a free live every Sunday I was screwing it up because I just started and this whole time I was building myself up to be, be this business that's so exciting I can't wait to see what unfolds in the coming months and years that's amazing so what was that process like, you know, I guess being a bit of a perfectionist before and then showing up on this new craft you were still honing and like messing up in front of people? Was that tr challenging or did you feel like it was just part of the process? I had, well, it was a lot of my friends that would tune in every Sunday and, you know, sometimes my meditations, I'd talk too fast and my cat would jump in the bowl while I was playing it. <laughs> or she'd start playing with something and I'd have to chase her down the hallway and, it was shenanigans. Um, but I had to really, really become humble and just fuck it up because that's where we learn with absolutely anything. So I just kept showing up every Sunday and then I started doing it by donation. One of my friends actually sent me my flyer the other day from when I was doing it by donation. I was like, oh, my God, I totally forgot about that. And then I started doing, incorporating coaching into it, what I'd learned through my journey. Um, and then eventually people were recommending each other to me. And then I was flying to Ibiza and I just had this big epiphany. Why don't you start a program that is based on all of the modalities that helped you heal from anxiety, depression, and bulimia. And that is neuroplasticity. So deep self-inquiry, like neuro-linguistic programming and frequency um, and a bit of astrology in there as well. Because I think that even if you don't believe in astrology, it's really, really important to understand why you have certain aspects of your personality and be able to turn them into your superpower. And I found out I was double gem and I was like, oh my God, that's why I'm a psycho. Because <laughs> I'm, <a> <laughs> I'm Capricorn. I've got this big Capricorn energy in my business, but in my private life, I'm a little bit like... Um, and then I, I launched that as a, as a beta testing. I did it much cheaper than it is now. And I called in these three beautiful humans from completely different walks of life. And through them, I was able to fuck up. And sorry, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to swear on you. You can go for it. 
I was able to fuck up and figure it out. And then I just relaunched um, last month and it's been really, really powerful. I just graduated four students last week. I've just had two start this week and another two starting and just um, having it all together. And I re- and the point of my story is I'm so glad for all of that fucking up. I'm so glad I didn't try to perfect it behind the scenes. I would have been saying I got to be vulnerable and make vulnerability okay. And and other, some of my clients are starting their own healing business and they don't really know what that looks like, but they know from coming from my program that they're meant to be doing something more with their life than sitting in an office nine to five every day. Mm, Yeah, I think there's so such a great message to just start you know even with the Mm. podcast I have a real strong inclination to want it to be perfect you know I don't I want it to be polished and to be a pro before I've even done it you know which is just impossible um but once I kind of realized I just needed to jump out there do it share it with the world and then I've learned on the job really and it's been an incredible arc and journey thus far which I feel really strongly it's only just beginning um and yeah I think that's a really really great message to just do it fuck up along the way I always I always tell my clients jump and the universe will catch you if you don't have any signs or know what the hell you're doing when I was forming what my sessions are now, I had no idea I would just jump in and then, yeah, through learning on the job. That's awesome. I'm so excited for you. What is life like in Bali? Like, what does your lifestyle look like there? So when I was talking before about how I wanted my life to look by following people, there's a few coaches here in Bali who have these beautiful morning routines who are running their business from their laptop, living in these gorgeous places. And instead of feeling envy, I always went, universe, I want that. And I'd see something else. I'd be like, I want that and I want that and I want that. And when you get clear on what you want the universe can be like all right cool like let's start working with it and there was this particular coach she's now one of my really really great friends um and she just had this incredible morning routine so I moved here I kind of jumped off a bridge this was all really sudden when I was leaving some of my friends were like what what do you mean you're moving to Bali in the middle of a pandemic and I just let something in my stomach is telling me and I've, I've been in a relationship with this motherfucker for five years since I moved to Spain. I got to follow it. I got to do it. And on the nights where I woke up at 4am going, Oh my God, what am I doing? I'm moving to halfway across the world. I'm so happy in Lisbon. What am I doing? There was that stomach feeling that said, no, 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 you're meant to be here. So I got a, a hut up in the jungle for my first two weeks here and just really shedded my city life and I went through the biggest death ever. I thought losing DJing was my big death, but coming here was a really, really big death. I had to really listen to myself. And in those two weeks, I started to get clear about what I wanted my life to look like. I was like, all right, I want to live here. Boom, manifested the apartment. Um, I want friends like this. Boom, they're just starting to come into my life now. Um, this is what I want my setup to be. I want four people in my program every month and I want to be working with sound six people a month. And this is exactly what my calendar looks like. So I sat down and I wrote what it, what I want it to look like. So I'm really getting to nourish all of those people that are inside me, the writer, the healer, the coach. The, the girl who goes and travels by herself and doesn't talk to anyone for a few days and they're all being nourished. So I'm just, I, I constantly feel in this, um, this amazing frequency. So my life here looks like really, really healthy, a lot of coconuts, fasting. Um, this morning I woke up at the crack of dawn because I just felt like I needed some nourishment. So I did a four hour morning routine. That's beautiful there's so much there 
that I want to talk to you about. This whole conversation around helping people find their like purpose and and this vision and the goal setting. I um there's something Tony Robbins says about looking for someone that's doing what you want to be doing and like copying that format essentially because he said obviously as you do it yourself it will be unique to you and you will add your own USP and flavor to it but you don't have to reinvent the wheel like if you see something someone living the life you want like do what they did and use it as proof that it can happen so you know you're not so special that it's not going to work for you um which I love and then talking about that whole process I've been building out toolkits um which help people to kind of start from the stripping back define the purpose then the vision and then what we can do to take those next steps to kind of bring the vision to present um and then my a second toolkit that I'm working on at the moment is all about morning routine I am absolutely obsessed with morning routines um so this is funnily enough my first question on the six questions that I ask everyone at the end of each interview so I'm going to jump into that because it's just the perfect um segue so the first question is what's the first thing you do when you get up but I'm going to expand it and ask you to share your morning routine because I think they're so powerful Ooh, it's top top secret uh. <laughs> no, I, I, to give you an example um the first thing I do when I wake up when I'm still in that brainwave state between asleep and awake. And as I said before, this is the perfect time to manifest. We manifest from the subconscious. So I close back down my eyes straight away and I imagine whatever I'm calling in, but instead of saying, I want this, I want that, I get a vision of what it looks like. So the life that I have right now, back in Lisbon, you can I can assure you that in my little tiny bed in my little tiny apartment, I was thinking about this life that I have now. So starting my day believing that I already have that and then getting up, I have a breathwork video that I made for my students as well that I I do myself, Um, simple six minutes of breathwork, then I'm bam, cold shower, then into reprogramming anything that I'm going through, whether I'm triggered by someone, whether I'm letting something go, calling something in, It, it looks different every day. But those are my main pillars of my morning routine. Love it. Yeah, such a, I think it's such a sacred part of the day. Um, and I always love it because it's my me time before I have to give. It's kind of I when I ceremony. restore. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Okay. What action feels most like prayer to you? Uh, what action feels most like prayer to me is no matter where I move. So I just moved yesterday morning and the first thing I did was set up my altar. And that's got little bits of my friends in it, a little crystal each from them. Um, my my cards and just this little sacred space and I go and sit there and in my little four hour morning routine today I just sat in gratitude just in so much gratitude and and nature and the universe loves gratitude because the more you are thankful for what you have the more space there is for more to come in and I actually cried this morning because I was just so overwhelmed with from where I've come in the past year to where I'm sitting right now and um I I never would have believed it. So that's a really, really sacred prayer action for me. Yeah. Wow. Sounds very powerful. Okay. In your opinion, what is the most audacious thing you've ever done? I'd, I'd say continuously leaving an empty suitcase at the end of my bed, knowing that I can always start a new life, that I have done it and I will always be able to do it no matter what. Love that. What commitment are you going to make to yourself for this coming week? My commitment is movement. Um, I think it's so important to somatically move our emotions through our body because you can do all of the healing you want in your brain, but we store our issues in our tissues. So it's through these somatic movements like dancing or exercising that we can really push this, this Kundalini energy through our body. That's Great reminder. Um, When was the last time you felt fearful and how did you handle it? I felt fearful a few weeks ago. I'd moved into my dream apartment that I'd manifested and then it flooded and I I received 
probably the worst communication I possibly could from, from the owners and the people who work there. And I thought that I'd made a really, really bad decision, but then I came back to trust. So the way that I handled it was getting down to my altar and sitting down and going to the worst case scenario isn't really that bad. What would be the best outcome? And also, what is this trying to teach me? And I've been in this relationship with the universe for a year. Um, the more graceful because I was dismantling a part of my personality. I used to be a little bit passive aggressive. Now I've moved more over to the graceful side and the more graceful I am, the more I receive. And I stayed so graceful through my communication. I always took a deep breath and took time to reply to them. And yesterday they upgraded me to this big, beautiful three bedroom villa, which they did two weeks ago. I was getting kicked out with, you know, barely a refund to getting upgraded to a three bedroom villa. That's a, a great example. Yeah. I um, I saw some videos on Instagram and it looks absolutely spectacular. So I'm glad for you that they, yeah, rehomed you. I try, I, you know, second everything you just said. And sometimes I slip out of that and it feels so toxic for yourself when you're aggressive or unkind. Like I spoke to someone really badly when was it in September while traveling and I was like stressed and hot and flustered and I spoke to someone so badly and I was so embarrassed afterwards I thought that's not how I want to show up in this world like they're just doing their job they don't need that and Mm. you know it was a great sort of opportunity to check in and not do that again um (laughs) you have the awareness it's beautiful because so so many people don't and when these owners were communicating me passive aggressively I was able to actually feel sadness for them and actually send them healing energy instead of like striking back I was like wow you have no um sense of self whatsoever to be able to talk like that Mm. and you start to develop this compassion and yeah, you just start to develop this whole new way of communicating. And if all of us were self-aware like that, the world would be such a better place. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay, final question. Where is your happy place? In my heart. Love that. Inside Beautiful this brain answer. that I've becoming best friends with these past four years in there. I That's love beautiful. being here. <laughs> Well, I wish that for everyone and I'm, yeah, so excited for to keep on now that we've connected, to keep on watching your journey and see all of the beautiful things that are coming your way. Um, and I just really want to thank you from my heart to yours for being so open and sharing with us your journey, because I know a lot of that will be difficult to revisit. Um, but yeah, I'm sure it will speak to a lot of people who are on their own journey. So thank you. Thank <laughs> you.